This is the true story of Dorothy Stratton. 36-24-36. Whose beauty took her from a backwater town. I have this feeling about Dorothy. She's going to be a big star. Together, we can be somebody. People treat us that special way when they two stars. To pampering at the Playboy Mansion. Playboy is a very special magazine director. the top. When the editor of Playboy told me I had one playmate of the year, the first thing out of my mouth was, are you sure? She was the star for the 80s. Do you think Hefner like me? He's got, He's got the, the personality of a pit. They're all nice to you. Everybody is wonderful. Mr. Hefner is wonderful. And everyone wanted a piece of her. Dorothy is every man's fantasy. Oh, Mr. thank you. Something's going on here. I can feel it. If you grow, and he stayed the same. Then she became a victim of her own fame. We have some things we should talk about. But a divorce is what you mean. I want more freedom. Go out and get yourself a job, get something going, and try to make her proud of you. Please come back to me. I want it to be over. Seth! He still has some crazy idea. He could put it all back together again. Look, you want her, pal? You can have her, but, but you're, you're going to have to pay. How do you load it? You put it in the chamber. I like to kill this. And you cock it, and she's ready to go. Mariel Hemingway. Hans thought we were talking about, have you ever seen Pusher, Nicholas Winding Refn's Pusher? No, it's uh, it's on my list. I haven't seen it, though. It's fine. Star 80 was a movie you recommended to me when we linked up at uh, at Dunkin' Donuts. And I had heard about it, but I wasn't that familiar with it. And I knew that it had like a star making Eric Roberts performance in the movie. I remember something like, uh, I think it was a Roger Ebert quote where he was calling, calling the, the Academy cowards for not nominating him for this movie. And he does give like, that was probably the best or most interesting Eric Roberts performance I've seen. Well, I had um, heard about Eric recently because uh, I met this guy this comic in LA who made this, uh, this movie and I was watching it and I'd seen Eric Roberts in a couple things, but I was surprised that he was in my friend, not my friend, but this guy I met, he made this movie called like something, the best Thanksgiving ever or something. And it's one of those movies that are like so bad, it's bad, yeah. you know? And, uh, I, Eric Roberts shows up in the movie and I was like, I saw the guy the next day at this comedy club and I was like, how'd you get him in your movie? And he was like, Oh dude, he did it for, you know, just a couple grand. And he showed me this like behind the scenes photo of Eric. And so like, you know, in the camera, it looks like he's just saying these lines. But in reality, he was reading off these like eight by four line cards. There was like four of them lined up. They looked like, you know, billboards, like four billboards. And uh, he was just he, he didn't care about learning his lines at all because he knew he probably I mean, I would hope he knew that the script was just terrible. Yeah. So he was just reading off these lines for, you know. You always hear about the quick paycheck, but I've never met or seen it kind of in action or known someone who worked with someone who did that. So that that's what kind of piqued me to him and then checked out Star 80. He has such a checkered career, too. He did The Dark Knight in 2008, and within a year and a half, he was on Celebrity Rehab for marijuana. So <laughs> he's... He's I don't he's he's one of the more interesting like older actors who is still working consistently. I think what he's probably most recognized for just among like the general mainstream is those uh, stalker doctor movies on on Lifetime. Do you guys know anything about these? I don't. I think it was called Stalked by My Doctor and then they did like a trilogy of them and the posters to them are really just they're a lot, you know. Um Yeah. He's in like a well, straight jacket for one. I don't know. Yeah, it, he seems like. Um, so I think we talked about this. He has like an IMDb credit uh, of six eighty one last time we talked last week. So it's yeah. probably at like seven oh five by now. But um, he was. He seemed to be like a type of Robert Downey Jr. guy who had these like great movies back in the day with uh, King of the Gypsies and Pope of Greenwich Village, and then Star eighty and. But the, he kind of had that crash with like drugs and alcohol and stuff, and it kind of tainted his reputation. But unlike Robert Downey Jr., he didn't really come back to to what he was. I, you know, you you mentioned Pope of Greenwich Village, and he acts in that movie with Mickey Rourke, who had kind of like an in between career, as far as like him and 
comparing him and Robert Downey Jr., where he had a period of time where he did come back and then they flushed him out of the system almost immediately. Like you couldn't have a guy with tattoos all over his body and a face that looks like a steak showing up at the Academy Awards <laughs> with his poodles and, and sweeping all of these uh, you know prestigious award ceremonies for the wrestler. Eric Roberts really hasn't had a, a like legitimate second shot in Hollywood. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I mentioned this before, but I looked at his IMDb. He's got 78 productions for 2020 alone. The guy is getting work probably every single day of the year. But none of it is really quality. It's very unfortunate. Um, so Star 80 was, was interesting in a, in a number of ways because I don't, I mean, there's so much to, like, the composition of this movie and the editing and the use of music that I feel like was just starting to get figured out in the 1980s and then later definitely in the 90s. But the way that this movie is done is just, it's very peculiar for the time. And also peculiar is the fact that the events that this movie is based upon occurred only like three years before the movie came out. You don't really see that happen at all yeah which which means they you know probably went in production like a year or less after it happened hans you had mentioned that eric roberts performance in this movie is very nicholas cage-esque yeah uh very over the top very um i'm, I'm playing this character i feel I, I i'm not very familiar with his um career i was going up and down his imdb and i could recognize maybe three or four things and things that he had very minor roles so i'm, I'm not very familiar with his work but this felt very much like a um wicker man very very out there and uh, i think that's pretty much what what drove the, the the movie i'm not complaining i think it made it a lot more entertaining and and also um i don't know if it was because of the quality of the 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 uh, the movie that I was watching it wasn't HD exactly so it, it felt very much like a like a fever dream it felt fever dreamish at times where it just went like blurry or like kind of what like your background looks like right now where everything is just smooth and very not um, how can I explain it? it it just it didn't it's, feel real and the fact like that a, his performance was like that it just felt like it elevated the weirdness a little bit more, and I guess it it helped a lot to to drive the movie, which doesn't really have that much. Even though the story, you know, it's it's tragic, but I feel like if it wasn't for him delivering it like that, uh, the the movie would be a lot more or less interesting. It kind of has a lifetime movie feel to it. Yeah, it doesn't and, feel real. That's the thing. Yeah, right. I, there was like. I have like two big reasons why I like it. One, one is it, it, um, it, it's like a biopic movie, but it doesn't feel like epic in every scene. I feel like uh, biopic movies now, you know, you got your Wolf of Wall Street or your uh, the the Big Short or or the other the one about Dick Cheney. It seems like it seems like in every scene you have the biggest star replaying an event that's supposed to be epic and then it's mm -hmm. like it's filmed like it's uh you know an entourage intro and and it's like it they're almost you know the audiences every time these biopic movies are made nowadays everyone just talks about how like crazy and epic it is and it's like i kind of like them taking a more realistic approach to uh to what it was like you know it's not very uh it wasn't very fancy and, and you I, didn't have you didn't have big big stars besides Eric, who wasn't even that big at the time. I don't I don't think I'm not sure. Yeah, this movie came out in 1983, so that was before he really hit his stride as an actor. I don't think that he had gotten uh, or was considered even like B or A list up until Pope of Greenwich Village came out in was it 86 or 87. Something I also noticed about this movie, which I think is appropriate to the nature of the story is just how quick it is. It's a very like you're in there and you're out within 90 minutes and it, mm -hmm. it, it, it felt like not a second over. So it never had a point of where it started to drag at all, which, you know, is something that's, that's pretty rare as far as, as we're talking about biopics go, they're usually bloated. They, they want to, you know, squeeze every aspect of the story out onto the screen for some kind of uh, awards attention. Who noticed that Uncle Ben was Hugh Hefner in this movie? 
Cliff, uh, Cliff, what's his name from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man series? Hans, you should have, you should have uh, noticed this. You're big on Sam Raimi. I know his face. I don't know his name. That and um, we have a surrogate for <laughs> Peter Bogdanovich in the movie, predictably yep. hitting on the youngest actress he can find. That Peter Bogdanovich. What a what a gruesome man. <laughs> I'll, I'll give think, him. I think a, a lot of it comes from the fact that her life wasn't really that interesting, or at least it wasn't portrayed as, you know, what Ashton just said, that it wasn't glamorized at all. So that helped the story move along really quickly because we see her uh, with her family. And then uh, a couple of minutes later, we jump to when she's already a model and when he's, you know, uh, grooming her, if you would like to call it that. So I think that added a lot to to helping the story just move quickly and not drag at any points. And and the fact that w- there wasn't like a a sequence that uh, try to glamorize it uh, help with uh, with the, the tone of it and making it feel more grounded and more. Uh, I don't want to say realistic because it's not realistic at all, but. It, it the the fact that uh, like Ashton said the the biopics now are are very grandiose and very you know we're gonna present this person as like the coolest person ever like they did one thing at least as this huge thing and with her uh, I don't know if it was because she died young but they didn't really present her as anything more than you know a young girl that's naive and you know naked now uh, and I, I feel like that helped a lot too keeping the movie small and just keeping it quick and not feel like it dragged at any point. Yeah, I think, I think it would have been, you know, different if the story was about a, like a beauty pageant winner, I feel like there would be more sympathy and, but when, you know, especially back then when you're just kind of like a a nude model, I mean, I, I guess that was, yeah, that was considered like porn back then. It's crazy where we're at now. It's like, there was almost, <laughs> Not not that like, you know, she deserved it, obviously, but it's like she kind of deserved it more somehow than like a beauty pageant winner. You know what I mean? It, there's this weird thing where you're watching it and you're like, I don't know, it, it makes you react in a different way. I, I, I kind of like um, movies like this and uh, where where you the payoff at the end isn't uh, as gigantic as um, I guess it could be in other movies. I feel like. You know, in a lot of movies, the big payoff where she gets killed is in the end. But you already know that if you uh, had paid attention to the news at the time or and besides that, they they sprinkle it in leading up to it that like, hey, this guy, you know, they're giving flash forwards, I guess, that uh, hey, this guy's going to he's he's not covered in his own blood, you know. Yeah, they do interweave between Eric Roberts giving uh, that monologue, and clearly there's something very off about all of that because he's naked, he's covered in blood. And and talking about uh, deserving it or not, you know, not to say that this this woman deserved to be violently murdered, but she had every opportunity to get out of there. She's like, oh, I'm about to get raped. All right, you, I guess we can just do this. All right. Uh, oh, you got a giant gun? You got a shotgun? You, you're pointing that at me? I guess I'll just lay on the bed. Whatever. You know, it, it, it's just like at every turn, she could have escaped this in the movie, in, you know, in real life, you know, could have just. Been. Yeah, in the movie, it's like she heard like the shotgun. You hear the shotgun like click. And then right before she gets out, it's almost like her brain's like, oh, is he taking pictures? And then she just walks and <laughs> walks into the room. You know, I'm, I, I would be curious how they um how they piece together, you know, what happened with the crime scene with like how, you know, you can't you can besides how the bodies are lying when the crime scene is put together, you can't really tell who did what, you know what I mean? Like why did she really go back to the door or did he like chase her and then force her to come back in? It's kind of like, I don't know. But did you, um, did you look into like a little bit of the, so you had mentioned that the, the director in question who kind of fell for her and took her away from Eric Roberts was uh, Peter Bogdanovich. Did you read any or see any of the like history after that? No, I, I only did some light reading on what what had happened and what the real story was. In, in, you know, in reality, this girl was like 20 years old when she was killed. And the, yeah. the Eric Roberts character, whose uh, name is escaping me at the moment. Do you guys recall it at all? No, I have uh, uh, his picture on my wall but um, of the guy who killed her. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> I, don't, I, I can't remember his name. Uh, Snyder? Something Snyder? Sure, sure Snyder. Uh, no, Paul, I think that's Paul right. Paul Snyder. Paul Snyder, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Paul Snyder was like 29 years old. He looked like he was about 45 with that, yeah. that face. 
And that mustache, oh man, Eric Roberts does not look good with a mustache in this movie. He looks real, and especially when he shows up at like McDonald's or wherever this girl's working, and he's got like the leather pimp jacket, not leather, it's a fur pimp jacket on with a huge Bane-esque collar. And uh, he looks wet and he looks sweaty and he looks like he just, like he crawled out of the sewer. Um, No, I- I, Real quickly, uh, the, uh, so when I was looking into it, so after, you know, in real life, after she gets killed, you know, Peter Bogdanovich is uh, heartbroken or whatever. He starts, um, he starts paying for her. So her sister in the movie, who's like, you know, 12 or 13, who visits her and stays with her. In real life, she's that age, I guess. And Bogdanovich starts like paying for her to go to acting school and like do modeling work. He's like paying for her, her lifestyle up until she's 18. And then he like, she moves to LA and lives with him and they, they have a relationship like they're, I think they got married, but they definitely, uh, yeah, it's, it's, so I thought like Eric Roberts was bad for grooming her at like 17, but Peter's doing it. You know, she's 13. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Peter, Peter Bogdanovich is a sick fuck. Uh, he, he was trying to, he was, he was trying to pursue, I mean, civil shepherd in the last picture show, I think she was in a relationship with, uh, not Jeff Bridges, one of the other actors in that movie. And uh, he just decided to swoop in, even though he had a wife and a kid. She was like 16, 17 years old at the time. And he wound up uh, getting with her, leaving his wife and child. And then he did, he, he wound up dumping Sybil Shepherd the exact same way, finding a young actress, getting rid of her. And, you know, it sounds like, uh, you know, he's had a history of this because this was what, like late seven. It was probably, it was probably this girl who knows. Um, mm-hmm. It was all around the exact same time uh, that he was starting to come up in the, the new Hollywood era of, uh, of filmmaking. So uh, definitely wanted to watch that Peter Bogdanovich. I think he's like 90 now, but she's still up to his old tricks, though. It's typical Hollywood romance? Is that, what is yeah, typical Just... Hollywood romance on the night that uh, Harvey Weinstein was found guilty. Yes. Yeah. Don't, don't bring that up. I lost $500 in a bet. <laughs> going through some tough times. <laughs> I'm I'm actually I'm legitimately surprised that they found him guilty on any was it how what was the uh what was the official thing was it just one was it uh, was it a bunch Hans you're an expert on this I have no idea I don't it, know. it was something like uh, not the main I want to say not the the big one but like two of the other ones that were like I don't know so two two lesser charges that are still severe you know but so it's like, you know, he may go to jail for five to 15 years, which means uh, he'll be out in six months. Who knows? Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to. I don't understand people that are celebrating this shit. And it's like, do you know the powerful people never pay for anything? He's going to be there for a couple of months and then they'll just forget about it. Apparently. Because he, he mean, was feeling chest pains. Oh, for <laughs> right. Yes, right. Yeah. And his, he'll be in a hospital. His walker and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try that walker trick next time I have to go to traffic court to see if I get some sympathy. <laughs> they were saying that he was at Rikers in one of the hospital uh, uh, areas of, of that prison. Um, I guess he'll be uh, potentially spending time with Buddy Duress of Good Time. Maybe uh, he'll get uh, do some teaming up with the Safties after he gets out. Do you well, think one- he's coming back? Do you think he'll Harvey just or in, in five years just no Harvey in like five years he'll be like fuck it and just start producing again? Mm, I don't know. I mean, last I had heard before any of the court dates had come up, he was thinking about producing a documentary about his innocence and about women's empowerment. So yeah, sounds about right. Apparently, he got uh, he got. Um, he got acquitted on the two most serious charges, which is predatory sex, sexual assault, and he was found guilty on two felony sex crimes. So, yeah, he'll be out in, like, no time. Oh. Well, he doesn't really dead. know. I mean, I'm going to assume he probably has investments in restaurants and other businesses, but, like, he himself doesn't probably know how to do much else other than produce movies. So I wouldn't be the least bit shocked if you know, 2025, he's got some yeah. company that's, uh, that, that's out and, you know, maybe it doesn't have his name on it, but the money's still coming from the same place and it's funding uh, different films. It's like potted plant productions or whatever yeah, that yeah. 
<laughs> was that the thing he jerked off into? I believe so, yeah. Or was that I get him and Louie confused. Somebody had mentioned in in the Facebook group that we have for uh all sorts of stuff. There's a trinity of directors that have just been fucked by Harvey Weinstein. And it is uh, Vincent Gallo, Richard Stanley, and Troy Duffy, who did Boondog Saints. Something. How did, how did Gallo get fucked by him? I don't know that story. I don't know that story either, but I saw an article yesterday where he's saying that he's a Harvey Weinstein victim. So, who's Oh, yeah, to that say? another man. Uh, oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was some reporting on that where he was uh, criticizing... Asia Argento and Rose McGowan, uh, who absolutely deserve to be criticized. Those are terrible women. And then he said, uh, he, the, the, he said somehow that uh, he was a Harvey Weinstein victim because it, it led to um, some kind of issue, maybe with Buffalo 66. That was a Lionsgate film. And I think Lionsgate was doing dealings with the Weinstein company at that time or like Dimension. It might have been one of their subsidiaries. Hmm. I don't know. There could be a whole story there we don't know about regarding that or the Brown Bunny or or anything else or maybe he he jerked off on his face yeah maybe that being gallows of handsome man <laughs> right i thought wait i thought i thought uh harvey didn't have any balls how does he come that was that was one woman's story ashton did you hear about this at all there was some woman who was saying that uh harvey weinstein's genitalia looked a whole lot like a vagina yeah, I saw that briefly and then decided not to read further. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah apparently it looked like a chicharron, you know, like it's just burnt and it looks like uh, like a like a, a pussy under his dick. So if he doesn't have any balls, I'm wondering if, you know, how does he come? Is it just like salty water coming out? Like what's the <laughs> salty water? I don't I don't I don't like to think of such vulgar things, you know? I like to I like to keep this a nice clean show. Uh we're talking about Star 80. Hans, what would be a good movie to pair up with Star 80 that was made more recently? American Psycho? You think so? No, that's too much. I I saw a lot of uh Christian Bale in in uh, Eric Roberts' performance. What? No, yeah. it's just cuz he was shirtless and looking in the mirror and covered in blood. Yeah. And working out. Yeah. Ashton, what do you think? Oh. What, is, what is it like? What is a good pairing with uh, with this movie? Oh, man, that's really hard because I feel like nothing's like being made like this. Um, oh, that's really hard. Do you, ha- do you have a- an idea? No, I have no idea whatsoever. It's just a stimulant. What about, <laughs> the, the what about that Nicole, N- Nicole Simpson movie that came out last year? Oh, that. Wait. A movie that came out last year? Yeah, about about uh, the you know the um, Homer Simpson. No, um, <laughs> what's his name? Fucking Juice uh, OJ. 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 Uh, his wife. Yeah, they they just made like this really bad movie that got a lot of um, uh, criticism because it just wasn't it a horror it, movie. It, re- it, it re- reimagines what actually happens. Uh, what do you mean? Look for it. What do you? I, is that the movie? No. Here's what I heard. There was a horror movie where Sharon Tate is haunting a house or something along those lines. I haven't heard about uh, this. No. Nicole the Simpson murder. Movie. It's called The Murder of Nicole Brown Simpson. No, it's just what you said. It says uh, the film presents an alternative theory of who her killer could have been. Uh, serial killer Glenn Edward Roberts as opposed to OJ. Uh, and it got a lot of criticism because it, you know, it, it presented like an alternative theory of who killed her, making OJ uh, innocent. And it has an average of one in Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, maybe that one. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it. It's got uh, Mina Savari. Do you remember her? Oh, wow. Straight, straight from 1997. Oh. Somebody who hasn't been thought of since then. Yeah. She had a promising career. Is anybody else uh, recognizable in this movie? Uh, I thought the mom was good in the like brief scenes that she was in. I thought she was good. Um, I I did like how it it like showed a, and that's kind of why it's hard to pair. Is that like, you know, it took a, conv- I feel like the easy route to go with that story uh, would be, you know, uh, Eric Roberts becoming distraught and losing his mind at the idea of like losing his girlfriend or his wife or whatever. But it's like more about all the connections that he would have, like the the 
the leg up in the industry that he, this was like his one chance to, you know, be the guy hanging around the Playboy Mansion. And at the end, he was even saying to her, like, it's fine. You can go with, uh, you know, the director and leave me, but let's just not like, let's stay friends or something like that. And, and uh, she's like, no. And, and I feel like not, a, not a lot of movies like show what that, that underlying factor of why the character would kind of lose his mind. Yeah. I did think it was interesting that they didn't show him to be, I mean, he he's definitely crazy in the movie and his behavior is exhibited as irrational, but he's not wrong in his assumptions about what's going on. He's wrong in how he handles it after the fact. So he seems very paranoid, like, oh, she's with him right now. She was sniffling. Oh, she said it was a cold, but I know she's doing coke with that director. And then we cut over to the truth, which is like exactly that, essentially. Like she's buddying up to uh, that Peter Bogdanovich surrogate. And gradually that's going to lead to her wanting to leave him, which sets him off the deep end. I feel like if this movie was made today, they would absolutely sterilize anything that made him look like he had a point of contention in his corner regarding his own behavior, I guess. Um, so that, that was interesting. And again, I, what do you mean? Do you you think that we're just present him as more of a monster? Yeah, of course. Uh, what was the last time you saw a movie that was like Star 80 that was based on true events and a murder, especially of a woman, uh, where you 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 wound up being like, oh, well, you know, he's got a couple of points here about why he might be a little upset. Wait, you think he has got a couple of points in Star 80? I'm saying when's, <laughs> when, has <there> been, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> when has there been a film recently made where that may be the case? Where they're not wrong about everything and they're just crazy. <laughs> what do yeah. you mean he's in the wrong? Have you never been in love, Hans? No. No, I, I, was, thinking, <laughs> I, I was thinking one movie this could pair with was uh, Killer Joe. Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. That I could, I could see that. Because there is that aspect of like we're doing um, kind of harder true crime, but then there is a camp element to that movie that is similar, that takes it into a realm of like hyper-reality at some points. Mm -hmm. Killer Joe is a movie that's not often talked about. That was uh, before William Friedkin did this really embarrassing exorcist movie where he went to the Vatican and he was like, look at this footage I got of this girl who was possessed. (laughs) And then he added like voice fucking uh, modulizers to, uh, to like lower her tone and sound more like Reagan from the original movie. Um, He did this movie called Killer Joe with Matthew McConaughey. It was right before Matthew McConaughey came back with True Detective and with Dallas Buyers Club. And uh, he made this really different, fun kind of movie that uh, is about like trailer park trash hiring um, Killer Joe to uh, take out somebody. It's been a while since I've seen in order to uh, get some money out of it. It's uh, he hires Killer Joe to kill his mom so he can get their uh, they can claim her life insurance or whatever. Right, right. And Emil Hirsch is in the movie. Thomas Hayden Church is in it, and Juno Temple, another person whose career just completely vanished. And it's a it's a pretty pretty good, well made movie. I could see how that could be like a good pairing with Star Eighty. It is a little bit more recent. And again, you, you had said it before. They don't really make movies like this anymore, and that's probably the closest thing to that that we've had recently and that was maybe 2012 2013 i'm really i'm really interested in this exorcist movie <laughs> what do you oh the I, uh, <laughs> the devil and father of more so, yeah it's yeah. it's it's really it's sad it's really sad because he's trying to like pull one over on people and uh like the techno it's kind of like martin scorsese with the irishman where the technology was impressive to him but to everybody else with regular eye 2020 vision not so much you know uh so or just or just ears who can hear what they're saying (laughs) yeah yeah and it's only an hour-long movie but it's a you know he he tinkers with it too much it's a woman sitting in a room acting possessed for about 35 minutes of the hour and um then you get like 11 more minutes of that and uh you know, it's edited not dissimilar from like a YouTube video. He's got some cool transitions and effects, like a sw- like a whoosh on screen and stuff. Hey, and hey, what's up, what's up, guys? <laughs> Just performing an exorcism. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Make and sure it, to like and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's disappointing, but he's like 80 years old. So if he had to fall off now with this one last movie that was a documentary, then fuck it. Who cares? Well, that's the yeah. follow-up to Killer Joe, though, right? Yeah, se- seven years later, six years later. Right. Uh, are you guys familiar at all with the other works of Bob Foss? Just um, all that jazz. That's it. It's the only other one I've seen. What about you, Hans? Nope, not at all. What are you looking him up right now? Yep. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, just all that jazz. Lenny, it's a weird movie in his filmography, but I can see like how the DNA might connect it at least because he, he seems like a guy who's big on show tunes and like flashy Hollywood, old Hollywood. I uh, wor- worked with Eliza Minnelli quite a few times. Switching <laughs> stories. I, I heard this story recently um, about this, this guy, he made this movie called uh, the white of the eye. And uh, in the movie, the director who made it, the character like kills this girl by, uh, by bounding her up and putting her underwater. And uh, while she's underwater, he shows her, uh, uh, he holds up a mirror so that she can watch herself die while underwater. And then that guy, that director, like 10 years later, he's working on a, another movie and the studio got involved. So he just got, was fed up and depressed. So he shot himself and like the paramedic showed up while he was still barely alive. And he asked the paramedic to uh, hand him a mirror and he watched himself in the mirror die. <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's a that's a good that's, recommendation. The the white of the eye. If you check that out, I think it's on uh, it's on Tubi. That yes, reminds that me of yeah. That. So that guy died, so I can watch his movie for free on on two on Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of fucking uh, what was the little guy from Fantasy Island? Uh, Tattoo. What's his name? Harabet Vilaches or whatever. Yeah. That uh, he shot himself in the chest and then called nine one one, and you can hear his little voice just whining about how much it hurts when he shot himself, and he's just a a laugh a minute. (laughs) I guess I don't know. It just reminded me of that. Now I I heard that they (laughs) added that into the sound design of that new Fantasy Island Blumhouse movie where (laughs) your your biggest fantasy is now your biggest nightmare. Starring who? Michael Pena is that guy? They couldn't get everything about that sounds like just really bad. That hurts my head hearing that description and the wow. That's real? That's real. And it bombed. And Hans, you were looking for it, but I think they already pulled it from theaters. And they're they're not going to put that out on Blu-ray for quite a while, I don't think. Oh, well, did you try? Theaters. Yeah, you're pacing not back and forth asking <laughs> asking people. Um, <laughs> did, did you see? Uh, did you watch Zeroville, that Franco movie? I did not. I saw that at the Red Box, and I remember I had heard about that years ago, uh-huh. and it got held for like six or seven years. That like that that was mostly done in 2013 or 2014. I hate to be a uh, curmudgeon, but I think it was only held for like two years. I don't, I don't know about that. I think it might be a little longer than, than uh, 2017, 2018. I, I feel like it, it, yeah, but I tried watching it. I, I think I torrented it and it's like, uh, it's just brutal, really hard to get through. And the, the book that it's based on is actually really good and interesting, but yeah. Yeah. It's Zeroville. It. He, he, he takes on way way too many projects. Like he had this period of time in the, uh, like the early couple of years of the last decade where he just bought up a bunch of like novel properties to adapt to film. And most of them were pretty middling at best. I think the best one he did was um, as I lay dying, which he at least shot in an interesting manner. And it kind of was like a stage play where he had multiple cameras on screen at once. Oh, here, here's the deal. Um, so the movie was was shot in uh, 2014. And then the company that owned the, the movie wound up going bankrupt. So it got held over until 2016, 2017. And then it finally got released late last year. So this movie has been held up for quite some time. It did not perform well at the box office. Then again, it only got, I think, a pretty limited run. $78,000. For this movie much worse than birds of prey oh man i just thought of another another pairing for a uh, star 80 could be uh the fanatic 
I actually kind of felt at some points like there was one of the things that I picked up on that I had referenced briefly at the start of the show is that the editing style in the use of music in this movie is so well done. But the editing style in this and parts of the fanatic, I see kind of similarities to. So I think that that would be a very good um, pair up as well. The fanatic. Oh, boy. I wish that would get like a real deal, proper Blu-ray Cri- release. Criterion yes, release? Criterion. <laughs> I was going to say like Kino Lobar, saw- yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw the fanatic in theaters and it was like me and three other people. And I just like during the most what was, you know, portrayed as the most dramatic part in the movie. I just turned around and the other guy in the theater is just looking at his phone. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like I, you know, it's like, you know, you know, you literally only have one chance to see that movie in the theaters. Might as well go. So uh, I went and, you know. Paid the fifteen dollars, hope it went straight into Fred Durst's pocket just to help him out. And uh it was not worth it, but oh well. You didn't like the fan- you didn't have fun with the fanatic. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to have fun. I feel like that's a movie that's you know if you're watching it with some friends on the couch, you know. But like seeing it in the theater presented like it's a real movie, you know what I mean? It just feels it's it's a it's a it was a different experience. Uh, when I saw it, I, it was like a it was a DVD rip or something or a, a web HD mm-hmm. rip, and I had the lowest of expectations going into that. You know, you, you, when when the pictures of uh, John Travolta in that getup first came out, I was like, OK, all right, maybe this this is going to be interesting. John Travolta has just made a string of piece of shit movies, direct to Redbox movies uh, for the longest time. Maybe this will be something. And then the trailer came out and it was like, no, nah, this isn't going to be something. But uh, wait, hold on. You thought you thought it was going to be something after seeing based those off a picture, images of just him one looking, picture. Yes. Looking like, yeah, he looked like Donkey Kong with a shirt. <laughs> you thought it was going to be good. I, I thought, but... yeah, there, okay. there might be uh, some fire beneath this one. Yeah. Why not? I mean, more autistic kids were like alerted to that trail or that picture than all of the Joker like trailers. Yeah. The fan- I mean, the fanatic was a mess. That was uh <laughs> <laughs> the, the, and something I, I liked about that movie, though, was uh, the use of transitions to kind of explain away the scenes that they couldn't shoot, that they couldn't afford to shoot, that John Travolta couldn't dig into his pocket a little deeper as a producer <laughs> in that movie and allow Fred Durst to shoot. Yeah, yeah a lot of exposition in uh, bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. And that voiceover is great, too. The the That actress who... You know, it does her such a disservice where you can't tell if she's a good actor or a bad actor because of the poor delivery of those lines that were clearly added like a year after the movie was finished. What would you say it's uh, Eric Roberts' biggest movie? His biggest movie or his biggest role? I, I, I get, well, his most recognizable role, I guess. Because hmm. I feel like I've seen him a lot as, oh, there's that guy. But there's not one character where you actually remember the character's name, I guess. The the, the thing about that is his like if it, it feels like his career kind of just evaporated once the nineties hit. There's nothing like particularly fresh that he that he's done like or and he doesn't exactly have like an an iconic role. He's always been like a good right. supporting actor in movies. Of everything I've seen of his, it might be this movie. He's really okay. good in Pope of Greenwich Village. But this this performance in particular is just very um i don't know it, it it's so different and off type for him i wonder if um his sister like you know becoming huge had some type of like unconscious effect on the way hollywood treated him or hired him for stuff i don't know i mean i guess he is the maggie gillenhall of that relationship right she doesn't even acknowledge his yeah. existence I don't know what's going on with that. That seems very strange to me. She just pretends like she's not related to Eric Roberts. Well, it's because of her image, right? She's always been like the goody, like the girl with the smile, like the girl, the small time girl. I don't even know where she's from, but that's her image. And he's always been kind of like the bad guy, right? In movies, at least he's like the villain or like the, the evil character, I guess. Has he? I What? What has she done lately, too? She was on some Amazon the... show recently that got canceled. Uh, Not Amazon, Apple, excuse it? me. Oh, maybe it was Amazon. I don't know. Some useless show. Uh, is oh. it Eat, Pray? 
You pretty love the series. He was okay. He, uh, I mean, Eric Roberts' '90s career can be defined by uh, "Save Save by the Light," the soap opera. He was on uh, the Young and the Restless, and also the Doctor Who television movie where he played bad guy, the Master. Right. Well, I so if you weren't to <laughs> if you weren't into soaps in the nineties, you're very familiar with his work. I'm just uh, I'm reading off his Wikipedia page here. If you're a 52 year old lady, you you love Eric Roberts. I've uh, I've seen his Instagram account. It does seem to be a lot of women in that age bracket commenting on his photos. Sometimes he'll repost the same photo twice in a row. It'll be like a picture of him with sunglasses standing on a porch. It's uh, it's it's quite the uh, quite the scene, Eric Roberts. Yeah, his I, I I was following him for a second, but then I just felt embarrassed. Like if you happen to click on his profile and you would just see followed by Ashton, I was like, I didn't want that to happen. So I so I, so I unfollowed. But for a couple of days, he was just like posting, just like he seems like a total boomer. You know, he'll post like a yeah. like a a picture in a frame, but you can't even tell if he's in the picture. And then it's like no caption. I love like photos with no captions and you have like 10,000 followers, you know, it's just, there's something funny about that. And you'll see like, you know, 48 year old ladies like guffawing in the comments and it's just, uh, yeah, it's kind of nice, but I unfollowed. So they got a Roberts guy. Just yeah. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh, here's, here's one that you might like Hans. I think you watched this show. He was on, the TV legal drama Suits on USA. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he popped in there. There's a lot of that guy that just popped in that show. So I'm sure he played, what, one couple episodes? Uh, he was a recurring character, actually. So oh, really? For, Don't remember him. For 2014-2015, <laughs> he was a regular on Suits. Well, I guess I'm just a bad Suits fan because I don't really remember him. I, I, I apparently... And, uh, he he seems like the he seems like the type of guy that would show up in like burn notice, you know. Oh, definitely. He's just uh, he's just a, a detective that, and I know that I've I've brought up that show more times than anyone ever should in different episodes, but it just feels like he would be perfect for a show a show like that. The last thing that he did that is of note is a karate Christmas miracle, which I think I saw that on the guide and I posted like a screen cap of it. Have you seen anything about a karate Christmas miracle? No. It, it, you, it, you should really look into it. It's something right, like I'll... crazy, like um, a kid's parents are murdered in 9-11 and he takes up karate and Eric Roberts is in it. I mean, you wouldn't have to tell me it's crazy based, well, like, you know, I, I would assume that, but uh, I wasn't expecting 9-11, so I guess you're right. No, sorry, it wasn't 9-11. It was, a, his father disappeared during a mass shooting on Christmas Day. What was he at, Sandy Hook? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Great film. Two stars out of ten, according to IMDb. TV 14, so maybe don't let the younger ones watch this, but uh, there's a great uh, poster where Eric Roberts' face is in, uh, is in a bulb. Wait, so is he the one that learns karate, or no? I think he's the dad who disappeared during the mass shooting. Oh, I'm not gonna watch it then. I thought he was gonna fight a a plane or building. He might show karate. up at the end. You never know. Yeah, you don't. Know. I mean, <laughs> what does disappeared mean? He could have just uh, left town for a little bit, had some work to take care of. He had to go add to his IMDb. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sign for 200 movies in a month a new season of suits is coming out let's let's try to uh get back to star 80 and and see what else can be <laughs> unpacked from this movie this this 86 minute movie um i feel like we we would have been better off if we just discussed eric roberts filmography from the 80s and mm -hmm. made it like a good trifecta of films like this pope of greenwich village and then something else because the star 80 talk has ran dry 40 minutes ago. <laughs> well, well you got to watch uh king of the gypsies he's the main in that and he's really he's really he's younger than uh it's probably like one of his youngest you know leading role films when did that come out who did that one i don't know who did it but if yeah, he must have been like 22 in that movie or something. So whenever that was. He was probably in his mid-30s at this point in his career when Star 80 came out. He's only like in his early 60s. So that probably would have been 70s. 
I'm just trying to think of like any other good iconic Eric Roberts performances. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think he's like just best suited as a good a supporting role. Yeah. As a suit, one of the suits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they just don't let him like lead movies like they did in this one. Mm-hmm. So they don't let him. They don't let him. That's he's being suppressed <laughs> by Hollywood. They won't, they won't let him. <laughs> Uh, star in these these real movies that he's cutting that cutting his wings that won't let him fly. I'm gonna start walking around with a shirt that says uh, "Free Eric." One one interesting one interesting thing from the movie it's it's alluded I didn't check on uh you know online but it's alluded that he basically started like the male you know whatever that show is that where like guys strip that's like Australian guys you know what I'm talking about what. We're, we're like uh, like thunder from started, down under. Yeah, he started like that. I think he started that that whole thing where like women come and watch like a kind of performance of a male strip show. Hans, do you buy which that? I keep I keep bringing up at my family dinners is a little trivia, but no one cares. No one believes. Yeah. side hustle. That's how he's making money in the in that beginning when he like. He does it in Canada, and then he does it in uh, in L.A. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not crazy, right? I wasn't just watching some other thing on my phone and then imagined it. I I don't know. I have no okay. idea. Hans, what did you dislike about this movie? Um, or what did you uh, think were the weaker points of Star 80 that deserve mentioning? Because we've kind of the worst thing that has been said about this movie is that his, his Eric Roberts' performance in the movie is a bit over the top. But that's also what makes it like step aside from everything else that's like this film. But we haven't really gotten into any of the lower points of it. So my impression was that you weren't super hot on Star 80. Is that correct? Um, I, I wasn't, but I didn't really have any specific complaints. I just I feel like it just went by really quickly. So it didn't really leave like a lasting impression on me. Uh, besides his performance, uh, because I, I did think that it was very, I guess, a very Nicolas Cage. So that that, that kind of uh, got me to put uh, pay more attention to it. But I didn't really have any problems with it that I could pinpoint. But don't you? Don't like you, I don't think. Don't you think if they had stretched this out to two hours or two and a half hours, that it would have came to the detriment of the movie? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I don't think there's anything more than you could add to the story that will make it interesting or or worth sitting for a half an hour or more. Uh, I don't know her her story specifically, so I'm not very familiar with with what happened or uh, if there's anything interesting about her that could have been explored. But she died really young, so I'm assuming that there wasn't really anything there. Yeah, I, uh, and, I don't think they would have framed this from the perspective of the killer. And his view on the whole situation, if she was really that interesting of a character, I think they would have had to fabricate a whole lot to try and make that interesting. Yeah. And, and uh, that's one of the high points, I think, uh, because it just gives a perspective that you're not very used to. Uh, It's supposed to be her story, but you're not really with her that much. And it's uh, a lot of what his internal struggle is and well, external at a lot of times. And, uh, it, it tells the, the story for his, from his point of view, which is not um, a very uh, used or, or a, a, a way of storytelling that's used a lot, I think, unless you're watching something like um, Maniac. <laughs> I guess maybe that's a little bit extreme. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that if we focus more on her or if we made her, her story... Uh, this would be more watchable. I think the fact that we focused on him and, and he was so over the top uh, helped the story just flow along and the movie just, you know, go quickly, I guess. Mm. Yeah, the only other uh, movie that is similar to this where I can at least think of them taking the perspective of the killer throughout the film is that Jared Leto, Mark David Chapman movie where he put on like 90 pounds and, and had a bowl cut. They didn't see that, no. You didn't see that? It was him and Lindsay Lohan. No. Ashton, did you see that movie? No, I don't really see uh, weight gain or weight loss movies. <laughs> that's that's the uh, the easiest trick in the book to get an Oscar. Yeah, I know. 
Uh, I, I really like them, but I just I hadn't happened to see that movie that you're talking about either. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not very good. It was like, uh, I think, it, you know, he, he did that thinking it was going to get him some good awards buzz, but the movie was such a piece of shit. And uh, I believe it wound up going to like direct to Showtime. Uh, every every other movie, though, even if they were to show like the perspective of the ki- of the killer, I still feel like they would maybe make the victim look a little more flattering. Because in this movie, she's just like an idiot. She's just like a stupid. Well, she's not really like. I, I don't think she's like stupid. I mean, well, she's, yeah, she's like retarded. She's just a dumb bitch, you know. <laughs> she deserved it. That just say what you've been trying to say since this episode yeah. started. Just say she deserved it. <laughs> I didn't start off with Ashton said she deserved it. That let's 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 differentiate here. Yeah, well, not for not for being dumb. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> it just seemed like she was one of those people who it sounds like a cliche, but just kind of was from like a small town and wanted the best for, for everyone and herself and, but also make other people happy. I mean, she would have had a life as a, you know, a middling fast food worker. Otherwise he, he, uh, he gave her her career, you know? So. Yeah. So, (laughs) so, so what you're saying is he can take it. I, I remember when I was younger and, um, one day my dad said, you know, you're my son. I made you. I can kill you if I want to. That sounds kind of like what you just said. Your, your dad said that to you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we, we played games when I was little. Oh. <laughs> That's weird because my stepdad said, I didn't make you, but I can kill you if I want to. Uh, mine, mine was with love. Just a little bit of love in mine, I guess. Hmm. Ashton, did you have any problems with this movie on a technical level? No, I, uh, again, the fact that it's under 90 minutes, I think only helps. I think more movies should be under 90 minutes. The only, the only, like, it's weird that he didn't even have like a, a funny sidekick friend who was like around there, there weren't really many comedic elements. It was all like, it was, yeah, it's just kind of very cut and dry. I mean, it's telling the story of a guy who kills his wife, you know, it's kind of, that's all, that's all there is. So the closest thing to that is that guy, the actor's name is escaping me, but I recognize him from uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. That was like the closest thing he had to an outside support system anyway, who was trying to like keep him in check and realized that he was starting to go off the rails with his uh, paranoia. But uh, I mean, even that guy, we don't see too much of. It's really just Eric Roberts movie where they they give the whole thing to him. He basically eats up every single scene and it's great to watch him try to socially navigate these particular scenes where he's already built up a reputation for himself. And you can tell like the way that Hugh Hefner has an eye for him. And he's like, got a distaste for this character. Mm. Um, and but another instance is the interaction he has with that TV actor who's trying to strike up a conversation uh, with his wife. And just the subtleties of um, him taking jabs at him little by little and gradually building it up to a point where like the veneers are gone and it's clear that this actor just can't stomach being around him a second longer. Yeah, for sure. You see lots of uh, interactions like that in LA. I can imagine. Hans, do you have anything? No. Jesus. This is the least you've ever had to say about a movie. I I really I don't know I I that's the thing when I don't have complaints I it's just hey I like that you know I don't really I'm not very good at saying nice things about things I like so I I couldn't really find much of an issue with this again it was just really quick so it kind of felt like an episode or something it was over before I even you know could really get that much into the story so I I don't know I it's not it's not good when I'm not complaining I guess. No, I guess that that that's really <laughs> your hallmark as a character. Did, did the movie make you want to get uh, one of those benches? I, mean, I don't remember that. You don't. Re- I, you don't <laughs> did you I, did you I watch the movie? Yeah. Did you fall like asleep a, in the middle of it? It's been like a week since I saw it, and I honestly have like flashes. So I oh. sure flashes. Yeah, I did. I do a lot of drugs. It's a problem. Oh. That's terrible. <laughs> what was the movie you fell asleep during twice? 
Uh, marriage story? Oh, marriage story. No, we were doing a show. We were going to do a, what was it? Uh, Color Out of Space, Richard Stanley's movie. Did you see that, by the way? Oh, I remember yeah. you had mentioned uh, you, you had the opportunity to check it out at a festival way before it came out. Who me? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah that that um that thing sold out at the festival, but I did see it uh in the theater. What did you make of that? I I like it, it's fine. I I I have a problem when like a guy like loves Lovecraft so much that it's like it's just like I I heard in an interview like Stanley had a patch of Cthulhu on his jacket while he's like making the movie, and it's like like Ugh. I don't not expect that, but at the same time it's like. <laughs> I think some people love things too much. That's it's like that's atrocious. Yeah, that's disgusting. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> what? Who? Me or the the patch? No, the patch. I can't imagine oh, yeah, somebody yeah. showing up with a patch on their on the back of their like the scorpion from Drive. Ooh, that's yeah, that's bad. Well, to be it could have just been on the shoulder or something, but no, still, I, like, I want to imagine it on the back. It's gonna stay on the back. Getting getting lectured by like a if you're a production assistant, getting lectured by like a 52 year old man with like. A necklace of uh, teeth and a Cthulhu uh, patch. It's got to be <laughs> like tough. A leather cowboy hat. Yeah. Did you ever watch that documentary about how Islander Dr. Moreau fell through his hands and he left Hollywood? Yeah, that and uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's really good. Yeah. That's what kind of made me like, you know, want to go watch the movie and 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 color out of space. But like, I mean, it was fine. But I, I just could tell I would never desire to watch it again after. You know, while I was watching it. So you're not hyped up for that H.P. Lovecraft shared universe that he's going to be doing with uh, Elijah Wood? Nope, nope, nope. You're not going to check out the next one he's he's directing. No. Oh. No. So so is that is that underwater movie going to be connected with this, or is that just like a? I think no. we've talked about no, this you, before. No, you bring but this up every show. They did some <laughs> Kristen Stewart C movie with T.J. Miller this year, and at the very end of it. It's like a shark movie or something, or an octopus movie. And then at the very end of it, they show Cthulhu floating by under the water, just because. So that's not connected. It's all connected. You gotta it's just connected uh, by uh, being bad. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I think uh, I think that's really all that needs to be said about Star Eight. <laughs> um, Color out of space, I thought was better though. Uh, but it was it was disappointing. I, I will say that I really didn't like the end. The, the the one that just felt like a reshoot, like a, we don't know how to end this. So this no, I, I mean I I said that on the podcast. Bridge. I thought that they added that in to set up any kind of like shared universe where that character can come back and connect it transparently for idiots who might not get that these two HP Lovecraft things are being held by the, the same people. Right. So what do you think his role is going to be? Do you think he's just going to show up and be like, hey, guys, and that's it? Well, he was a scientist or something, right? So he'll just start investigating all sorts of abnormalities in the universe. Great. Can't wait I, for I have that. A, I have a theory that, like, there are certain things that are, are so, like, popular that the word alone for it, like, it, it almost, like, uh, creates a trance-like effect on the person into thinking it's, like, good. Like... I mean, saying the word Lovecraft or even like Nietzsche or, you know, when you're like these words, they become like so they provide they they induce you into like a trance. I mean, obviously not on everyone, but I feel like a lot of people are just like kind of goaded into being like, oh, yeah, it's really good. Or they, they I don't know. Yeah, I think especially in that case with Lovecraft or like Lynchian or, or <laughs> things that quickly give an idea of what you can probably anticipate. Also, I, I hate when anybody describes anything as lynching because then you'll check that out and it's nothing at all like David Not, Lynch. It's like yeah. somebody who doesn't doesn't understand David Lynch's it's just, style on any level. It's someone in someone in a relationship and there's a, a picture of stripes in the background. And <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we can pretty much... I mean, do you have anything that you can say about Star ID to put a pin in it, Hans? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> see that like i feel like um if you're listening to this uh, uh and and you just pay attention to the like, maybe the last 10 15 minutes it feels like we're shitting on it but it's just that we actually really enjoyed it so yeah there's not really much that we can just you know 
because usually when when you know I have a lot to say, it's because I have a lot of complaints. Here it's just like yeah, it's it's good. Go, I guess watch it if you want to see a deranged uh, Eric Roberts performance. And who would? I mean, yeah. if there's anything we need right now among these 78 productions he has ready for 2020, it is another deranged Eric Roberts performance. I want him to bring that mustache back. That would you know, be gray nice. now. Yeah. Greasy. <laughs> Ashton, do you have any closing thoughts on Star 80? I was just thinking since this is video chat, how great my closing argument would be if I just shot myself. That would be, like, that. be wonderful. <laughs> I, I, yeah. was, I was actually impressed with how the two uh, murder sequences occur went frame by frame, analyzing how he shot her in the face with that. And I think they did an in-camera trick uh, where they were overlapping images. And then it was uh, pretty similar with him, uh, where he puts the, the, the shotgun to his forehead and pulls the trigger. And then you just see a, a cool splash of blood. That was very well done. Very well done from the director of Cabaret. Yeah. So uh, that has been our talk on <laughs> Star 80 today. Ashton, thank you for coming on the show. We, we should have talked about a movie where there was maybe more than 15 minutes worth of material to discuss. <laughs> but something better next time. Maybe his, uh, his uh, Stalked by My Doctor series. Or uh, we got to do the Parallax view. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be good, too. Or we can do Burn Notice for Hans. Yeah, yes. Burn Notice Season I'm- 3. I have a lot to say about every season of that show. <laughs> I, I, I even saw the movie that they put out. So, yes. They, oh, uh, yeah. Didn't they not have yeah. the lead guy in that movie either? They couldn't yep. get him? It was a Bruce Campbell movie, which just made me want to watch it more. So, yeah. He's the, the main main role. <laughs>